Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Tuesday afternoon. Today is the 13th of February, which means tomorrow is the 14th of February, which means... You have not taken care of whatever you need to take care of before Valentine's Day. Time is running out. So, we wish you the best of luck in getting done whatever it is that you need to get done. Just a public service announcement to start things off on this Tuesday. In the Pearl River Resort Studios, Pearl River Resort, home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, two 18-hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas, both available for you to play, to enjoy, to savor, to uh, take advantage of these sunshiny early spring, or not really the spring yet, but you know what I mean, days that it feels nice outside and you can sneak out, you can enjoy that. Pearl River Resort, pearlriverresort.com. You can book your tea time online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. The ceasefire text line is open to you. That number is 601-879-4395. Alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. Thanks for being with us this afternoon I don't have to ask the two of you, did you watch the Super Bowl? I know the answer to that. The answer is yes. But if I was even curious if the answer was yes, I would assume the answer is yes based on the fact that 123.7 million people on average watch the Super Bowl and the broadcast audience peaked at over 200 million people. That was not sustained, but it peaked at over 200 million. 202 million 400,000. It is the most watched broadcast in television history. Not the most watched Super Bowl. It is that. Not the most watched sporting event. Clearly it is that. But the most watched broadcast in television history. Wow. It's unbelievable. I mean, that's literally two two thirds of the United States of America watched at least eight minutes of the Super Bowl. Two thirds of the country, two out of every three people watched at least eight minutes of it. Because I believe it's eight minutes, right? Isn't that the the counting number you, that you have to watch for at least eight minutes to count? It's not like a YouTube view. Because people are like, oh, well, this YouTube person got three hundred million views on this video. Yeah, that's three hundred million clicks on the video. Just one click on the video oh, and, counts and as a view. And that's over an extended period of time. This was yes. while it was playing. This was and you had more options than window. ever. Yeah, you had more options than ever. CBS obviously carried the broadcast and accounted for about 120 million 
of the 123 million viewers. It was also available on Nickelodeon, Univision, streaming at Paramount Plus, and on the NFL's digital platforms. So there were a lot of places you could watch. If you wanted to watch the Super Bowl, it was there for you. When you walk through the airport, every television was on. Every sports bar's television was on. Every hotel lobby's television had the Super Bowl on. There were churches that had the Super Bowl on. If they had television, everywhere you went, the Super Bowl was on on Sunday night. You know what's even crazier, at least to me? 17 million people in Mexico watched the Super Bowl. That's not crazy to me. That's that's a tenth of their population. Now, the funny one to me is Canada. 10 million people watched it in Canada. It's only 40 million people in the country, so a quarter, a quarter of their population. Unbelievable. I mean, for all of our flaws, this country still drives the world, man. It really does. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. And it's a reminder that people love football. Yeah. Clearly, the NFL is king, but if you look back to this college football season, you saw ratings up everywhere on everybody's platform. ESPN's ratings were up. Fox's ratings were up. NBC's ratings were up. Obviously, NBC had new products. CBS's ratings were up. Everybody's ratings were up this past year during the college football season. Ratings were up this year during the NFL season, and the Super Bowl just set an all-time record for eyeballs on a television for anything, anything that has ever been aired on television. More than the last episode of MASH, more than the last episode of Seinfeld, you know, more than the last episode of Dallas. The but, only you know, thing that beat it was the moon landing in the late 60s, but every single channel available was airing it. Oh, so we're talking on a single, like, rights holder. Right. But the only other thing to beat it ever Man, is the... A Hold on a second. Hold on. How's that possible? Were there 223 million people in the United States when the moon landing happened? I don't know what the population was of the United States in the late 60s, but surely there were. Well, one, I don't know what the population was, and two, there's no way that's possible, Borky. There, I don't. I bet there weren't 223 million televisions in existence. Yeah, and there were. It, yeah, the U.S. population was just a hair over 200 million in 1969, so. There you go. So it's not possible. Porky, I believe your fact is a fallacy. I will argue against you on this. 650 million people watched the moon landing. Worldwide? That is obviously a worldwide yeah. number. So that has to be globally, yeah. not, yeah. Okay, well, that yeah, makes sense. Globally. Borky lied to us. Our relationship is forever broken because of this, Michael. I'm still having Trust trouble that there were 600 million televisions in existence in 1969. Eh, I'm not sure I believe that number. The most watched non-Super Bowl broadcast count, is the Apollo they 11 everybody that stood outside landing. the TV store. Which, the, it's, it was a much rougher estimate back then, but they think up to 150 million people domestically watched that somehow. I mean, I would believe that 75% of the U.S. population watched the initial moon landing. Yeah. I don't know that I'm a, believing 700 or 650 million globally did, though. That's what this says. Okay. 
What's the source? The National Air and Space Museum. Huh? Seems fairly reliable. Well, you know, you did know, they even land on the moon? Well, it's, it's a reasonable question. <laughs> Some people have that uh, have that question. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Ceasefire text line is open at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber from Ceasefire. Check them out online at ceasefire.com slash business. Somebody says if three to four people are watching the same TV, they've got metrics for figuring that out. Oh, yeah, they've they've got it down to a, a very exact science at this point. Mike in Columbus says all schools had it on, so many, many groups were watching at single locations. That's fair. Dwayne and Brandon, rich guy, says they had two TVs in 1969. Yeah, you're banned from saying cross money ever again, brother. Mm-hmm. Yep. Jeff says, according to the U.S. Census, the U.S. population was 203 million in 1969. Okay. So, yeah, 150 makes sense, but whatever. Somebody says the Swifties were watching. (laughs) But this is the trend that's been going on, though. I mean, I'm sure there was some kind of a bump, but, I mean, the the Super Bowl does over 100 million. It's always the most watched thing that we do, and it's just growing. But your point's a good one. Somehow, some way, football as a whole is continuing to grow. Everything else is falling apart. Football just grows. Yeah, and it was also a perfect storm, right? It was a perfect storm in that the game was close. The Taylor Swift effect was in place. The halftime show was compelling enough that some people would watch that might not other watch. Otherwise, watch. And then the second half was really entertaining. And for just the second time in the history of the Super Bowl, we had overtime. So the stars aligned for CBS. By the, for, for his part, Sean McManus the um, uh, at CBS Sports. CBS Sports chairman said, I was managing my expectations, but I had a bit of a hope that it would happen talking about the record audience. He says, I can't imagine a Super Bowl any better or more exciting than this. And he's right on that point. Everything that needed to happen for CBS happened on Sunday night. Except for a proposal. Oh, stop it. Except for a proposal. They didn't get that. We've got a lot to get to with you this afternoon. We've got a rotation for Mississippi State this weekend when they open their season on Friday against Air Force. We've got a proposed starting lineup from Mike Bianco for Ole Miss as they travel to Hawaii this weekend. We've got basketball coming your way tonight as Ole Miss is in Lexington to take on the Kentucky Wildcats, who have lost three straight home games for the first time in the history of Rupp Arena. Mark Dukes will join us from Lexington, the color analyst on the Ole Miss Sports Network, from Learfield, and we will talk about that matchup tonight. And we've got some win totals from an online sports book for the upcoming college football season. We're going to get into all of that with you, plus your messages on the C Spire text line. This is Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio.
Network. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. Brian Haydad and Michael Borky. I'm Richard Cross. Glad to have you along for the ride. You can join us on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. So I know, Michael Borky, you've got us waiting until the college football fix for this. And maybe we should. I don't know. Should, should we hold off on some of these win totals or do we just jump right into this conversation? You know, the funny thing about the show first. is, you can do whatever you want. want. No. Yeah. There's no, uh, no. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, like, take a vote here. Do we well, want to go baseball? Do we want to go basketball? Do we, we want to go football? We are pretty light on the football stuff, so we will have to, thanks to our oh, good friends. Oh, no, no, no. We've got that Florida Gator story at the uh, to get to for the college football fix. Brother. See, I, see, I thought through this are you, thing. Uh, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. You're saying we're light on the football stuff. And I just saw that the college football playoff and ESPN came to like an eight billion dollar deal, and you're telling me we're like, I figured that was going to be the whole show. One, I came in ready to not, not talk today. Between one point three and one point six billion dollars a year, a year, say it, say it. Billion. billion to air the college football playoff. That's what and, DS, and ESPN can and, sublet. <laughs> and may I remind you, it could have and should have been more. Could have been more. That's the deal they came to in today's television environment. Think about if they'd gotten to do this two years ago. Yeah, seriously. When there were more people that were still paying for television and cable bundles two years ago than there are today. But that so great thinking, ACC Big Ten Pac twelve. Glad it worked out so well for you. Yeah, glad it worked out. One of you it worked out well for. Go figure. It was always going to work out well for the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. But but if you're if you're one of those people that thinks that the football players should not get paid any money, you you cannot sign a one point six billion dollar a year television deal and not expect something like that to happen. It's just that these the schools made a lot of money. Good for them, absolutely, and because of that. They kind of created this mess. The massive buyouts, the huge contracts, the huge TV deals. It was eventually always going to come to the point that it is right now. The richer they got, the more likely it was going to lead to, wait a minute. These dudes are amateurs? Nah. No, they're not. Softball team can be amateurs. Football players? Billion dollar television deals? Nah. Won't work like that. This was always going to to come this way, and it's deals like this. That that are why. Six years, seven point eight billion. Six years, seven point 
$1.8 billion. That takes you through the 2031-32 season. And uh, here's the catch. College football playoff leaders still have to sort out the specifics of how the new postseason era will operate. Full contracts completion will not happen until that happens, and that still has to happen, so it is not uh, completed. But the framework of the deal is done. Um, it will not be ratified until the commissioners and presidents vote on the structure and financials of the expanded CFP. ESPN has two years remaining on its current deal, which carries an average payment of $608. million. And so you are keeping score at home. That is more than double for the new deal that will be in place. And probably makes it all the more likely that conferences not named the SEC and the Big Ten really try to dig in their heels and hold out for more money. So that's insane. But hey, hey, now we didn't have to do this right now. This is on you. You said you didn't want to do it. Yeah. But you brought it up. No, I didn't say I didn't want to do it. We had, oh. I, I mean, I, I was, I had baseball to lead the show. We got pitching rotations out so, there. Yeah. I said I, I was surprised we didn't have it. That's well, what I but, said. but hey. But I, I gave it to you. You ruined it. Happy Valentine's Day. I gave you what you really loved. Valentine's Sports business talk. Yeah, well, uh, playoff appearances are going to be more... If you're going to complain about the gifts that I give you and the time that I give you in, I'll just get you nothing next yeah, time. Yeah, but I gave you a that? gift. It's like you took my gift and you're you like, did. nah, I don't want it. Here's this one instead. I'm, I'm a giver. <laughs> you don't need to get me anything. I'm good. That's good. I'm sure your family loves you for that. I'm sure they appreciate yeah. that. They, my, my family does love me, yeah. Last time I checked. No, no, I'm, I'm sure that they appreciate that, that, that you give and expect nothing in return. That's pretty much every holiday, yeah. I mean, I get stuff in return, but I never expect it. Yeah, yeah. i got to be honest, though. I, I thought, you know, get us a little off topic here. A couple weeks ago, like a package showed up, and I, I, sent, I it, said, it had fragile on the... The box. So mm-hmm. I take a picture of it. I send it to my wife. I'm like, oh, it must be Italian. I couldn't resist the joke. And she's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, what is this? And she's like, don't worry about it. I was like, but what is it? And she's like, don't worry about it. You'll find out later. So I I Googled the place it was sent from. Fragile? Something. I don't know. what I, I forget the name of it, but it's a sports collectibles place. So I'm wondering if I got something coming tomorrow. I'll let you know. You'll have to tune in tomorrow to find out. So you you spoiled partially your own gift? My own surprise, kind of. Dude, I just wanted to know what it was. That is a full-on massive jerk move that you pulled. Your family was trying to do something nice for you. My your family, wife my told wife, you. My, my kids have no interest in it. Yeah, but she probably will give them credit for it also. She was like, hey, don't worry about it. Just let it be. And you couldn't just let it be, you scumbag. I, I just wanted to see where it was from. Yes, you I didn't did. know that it was going to be you that. You couldn't just leave well enough alone. You had to dig in and try and figure out where it was from and then do your little scumbag's internet Scumbag's a little sleuthing. harsh, don't you think? I don't. Don't you I, think? I think? I think someone who thinks highly of you maybe did something nice for you, and you couldn't just let them do it. You had to try to ruin the surprise. 
This is kind of a new low for you. This is the new low. This This is the the new low. This is it. This is the new low for you. What was the old low? Just out of curiosity. I mean, like, I don't really know. You don't know? Don't you? I I don't. But I'm I'm so disappointed in you. So disappointed. Yes. Like, I have stumbled upon packages before that, like, oh, that's wrapped like it might be something for me. Not only did I not ask if that was for me or what this was or what the occasion was, I certainly didn't go try to, like, shake the package and figure out what was inside or see what the label was on it or goodness knows I didn't Google it or, like, go check Amazon orders to see if something was, man. I am so disappointed in you. And I hope <laughs> you, your wife is too. So, I hope you're such wa- a hard time. I hope your wife returns whatever it is and doesn't even get it because of your. She isn't listening. Because of your incredulity. I, I mean, <laughs> incredulous. It's a big word for your big word for you. Thanks, bud. We get this Thanks. text. Sports talk where hey, dad's a jerk. Richard doesn't work on Fridays and Borky hates his neighbors. There's a problem with that text, though. Uh, somebody- oh, God, I have another story. Somebody's not working on Friday. Speaking of neighbors. That's true. That's true. Yeah. It's a Richard, doctor's you have to work this Friday. Though. I mean, I, I mean, it's just me. been waiting Real weeks quick, to get in with this I'm guy. I'm walking this morning, right? And there's this woman. She's in front of me with her dog. And then she stops at this trash can, and she's going to put the bag in there. I was like, oh, Borky did that, and he got in trouble. I did. And then she turned up into the driveway, and it was her house. I was so <laughs> mad. I was like, ah. <laughs> Yeah, I got yelled at for that. I remember that. I was like, "Hey, hey, is that her trash can?" She doesn't. I mean, can I be a Karen? Here we go. No, I'll, it, I'll it still never forget that. It was just wild. It's trash day. Everybody's cans are at the end of the driveway. Maverick had to go. Nah, I picked it up with that. a bag. You can't do that. You can't put your dog's poo in. Yes, you can. Trash can. No way. If it's trash day, especially, no. it's going to be out there for like ten minutes. No, I disagree with you. Now I'm incredulous. See, and I only did that because I watched somebody do that in my trash can, and I thanked them. Their dog went in my yard, and they picked it up, and, and they tossed it in my trash can with the that was full at the end of the driveway. And I was like, hey, thanks for that. Thanks for picking it up. It had been in the same place anyway. right. It's like going through her phone or diary. What? Slightly different than the phone. Dwayne says, I feel like yeah, I'm listening to a dad getting on to his son, listening to Richard. Surprised I'm older hey than Richard. Surprised Hey Dad didn't get his daughter to open it and then blame it on her. That's Richard is right. It's like going through her phone or diary. Okay, as you just read. It is uh, not says, like oh, goodness, that at the all. Cry-baby, the crybaby police get Richard. I'm, I'm not being a crybaby. I'm not the one who ruined the surprise. You bum. Crybaby. Terrible person. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi. What do you do when you forget to take a bag with you on the dog walk? I never forget. How can you forget? That's like a, that's like forgetting the dog. 
<laughs> you got it's part of the the, the 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 what you gotta have to go on the walk. Mm. Yeah, I never forget. What did they do before plastic bags? Like back in the fifties, you just took you off for a walk. You just went where you went, and oh, sorry, but neighbor, that's the way it is. Hello. Back when I used to have a, a Nextdoor burner account, I had one of my best trolls where this uh, this lady was really complaining about people not picking up after their dogs. And I said, you should never pick up after your dog because they provide great fertilization. And I love seeing lush green lawns in the neighborhood every spring. <laughs> and it got like 50 <laughs> replies. People are so yes. bad. <laughs> So you just like get a leash? That's what you like. Hey, what do you mean you never forget? Like you've never taken never your forget. dog for a walk and didn't have a bag to? I, I keep the bags. It's like the leash. You gotta have it. Yeah, I've got <laughs> I've got uh, hooks right next to my back door, and I put the bags on the same hook as the leash. So I literally cannot get the leash off without also having. You, you the bags. just use grocery bags, or I do. Mm-hmm. you got to? Yeah. yeah. They're not. They're not strong though. I I've sometimes will we'll get like oh, you the, might want a double bag. Yeah, or, or the the ones that are made for the uh, the like actually wanna, made for wanna, that. You don't want a finger to break through there and be like ah. You have that moment. You're like oh. That has happened before. Yeah. It's yeah, you don't fun. want that. You double bag. Yeah. There was that episode in Billions <laughs> where I haven't watched what Paul, Paul Giamatti. Like, made the guy on the street. He's like, ah, I don't have a bag with me. He's like, pick it up. Like, I'm not picking that. He goes, pick it up. He, like, shamed the guy into picking it up with his own hand. It's, it's oh, it's kind of rough. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. So I think I people say, text think that I'm talking about that. I think people are thinking that the, 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 the guy scooped up the poop and was just going to put it. He had a bag. Yeah. It was in a bag. Like, who's going to know? The exactly. trash was out on the curb to be taken. So for those that don't remember this story, I, I, I run my dog in the neighborhood when it's warm every morning. And I always have a bag with me because I always do. And he went, responsible. He, he went in somebody's yard and I picked it up with the bag, tied the bag off, and it was trash day. And their trash can was full to the top, full to the top, and I placed the bag on top of the trash in the trash can. Didn't touch the walls of the trash can. On top, a sealed bag on top. And she came out of the house and yelled at me. And I didn't respond. I didn't say anything back because, look, it, it you know, it, somebody else's and whatever. You know, I'm not going to engage in that. But that right. doesn't bother me at all. I would much prefer. Did you remove the bag from her trash Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I, I took it home. I walked And home. then he put it in a paper bag, and then he set it on our doorstep, and he lit it on fire, and he rang the doorbell and ran off. But but that doesn't... Don't tell me my business, devil woman! I, I couldn't possibly care less. The guys are about to pick it up. Like, it's trash day. They're about to pick it up. That's my point. So, go- yeah. If, you, if she hadn't come outside at that moment, she never would have known that he never. had done that. It would, have just, it would have gone off with the rest of her trash. What if the bag's not properly sealed? It was. It's still they they, they dump it. everything in there. It's it's, yeah, it's it's not you know. But and the only reason why I did that again, like I said earlier, because I watched somebody do it in my yard, yeah, and I was yes. like, hey, thanks, man, like good, uh, no no problem. And so I just kind of figured that was an understood <laughs> like neighborly thing. If the can was empty if, and I did that, I would be a jerk. But when it was full to the top, yes, 
Right. So, or, think about it. Like the only reason you can get to it is because the trash can is out. Yes. Because it's trash day. It's not like he walked up their driveway. Like to, to get to my trash cans, you got to walk up my driveway to my house, and then if you, then it's a problem. But if you're just walking by and there's my trash cans are out there and they still haven't picked up the trash, yeah, I welcome your poop. Just throw it in there. It's fine. I don't care. Me either. I'll never know. Your dog's excrement, not yes, there. Yes, I, I would prefer not human, but at the same time, again, I won't know prior to the, the, the arrival of the sanitation people. What is the most peculiar thing that people don't know about you? I have a reason for asking this question. That I can talk about on the air? Well, I mean, <laughs> yes. I would prefer you keep it G-rated. <laughs> let's, let's, get, really, let's go coast to coast. How deep do you want to go? How, how deep do you want to cut? Um, I mean, that's a, that's a tough question to answer because, mm. like, what I think is normal, you might think is peculiar. Like, like so no maybe milk you should like, ask a question. Like no milk on my cereal. Total, that's, totally that's normal. That's fairly to peculiar. Me. The most peculiar thing okay. about me, I've been told, and okay. I kind of, I kind of concur. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't take trash to the road. Where do you I take it? trash? I, I put trash in the bags in the back of my truck, and I haul them to the dumpster. I do oh. not use the trash pickup in the neighborhood. Whoa. Whose dumpster are you using? It's not important. Not because I'm about to say you're gonna get on me. No, no, it's allowed. It, it's allowed. I, I it's have permission. Allowed? I have permission at multiple dumpsters. Thank you. <laughs> you have permission to to leave your trash at multiple dumpsters. Yes. Do these people think you're homeless? They're like, it's that sad guy again. He, he just so, let him just let him throw it away. He'll make a scene. So at one point, our Next door neighbor. Because this is peculiar. I'll just go ahead and let you know. I know. I know. I, I'm I'm well aware. Uh, at one point, our next door neighbors, she was like, "Hey, I don't mean to pry, but are you guys like the greenest people ever? Do you recycle everything?" <laughs> or she's James like, "No. Why do you ask?" She's like, "Cause you never have trash." <laughs> and she was like, "Oh yeah, Richard hauls it off." So, what's the thought process here? Why do you not want to just take let the guys come pick up your trash? Does it cost money? I mean, I have to. I still have to pay for trash pickup. Yeah, so you're already paying That's, for it. So why, yeah, I understand. Why, why do you not, I, understand. Do you, I just you just don't want trash in front of your house. I just don't. Uh, just no. I don't know. Okay, you know, like I can't give you. You know what? This is America. Do what you want. Yeah. After everybody goes to bed, I'll jump in the uh, jump in the truck and. Run there and go throw it out and come back. And go throw the trash. Yeah. So, so if you tell Jane, "Hey, I'm going to go take out the trash," she expects you to be gone for like 20, 25 minutes. Ish, yeah. <laughs> now that's just funny to think about. So interesting. <laughs> like if I say I'm going to take out the trash, literally I'm going to walk out the door and come back. Somebody said, "Where do you store it day to day?" Well, sometimes if I forget or am tired and want to go to bed and don't take it off, you might find half a dozen bags of trash in the back of my truck until I throw them in the dumpster. 
Man, I've got a neighbor that I wish would do what you're saying. She just puts her bags at the end of the street, not in a can, but just lays the bags out, and then the stray cats get into it, and they open the bags, and the, the, the poor sanitation workers have to pick up all of the stuff that gets spread all over the road. This happens like once yeah. a month to, to her. Yeah. And it's like, buy a can. These poor guys are literally picking up after you, not in a bag now. And it's disgusting. And they have to do it because it's their job, but they shouldn't have to they do must, it. These, those guys must love you. They're just like, we don't ever stop at this guy's house. They wouldn't yeah. know what to do. If you ever move out of that house, they're not going to know what to do the first time there's a trash can out there. Or they think, well, what is wrong with this guy? Yeah, like the, the, if people buy it and, you know, put their trash out and it doesn't get picked up the first two or three buy times. It. Be crazy if a dog bought it. No, no. My point is, if some, if we were to sell our house and somebody were to put their trash out and the truck didn't stop yeah. and take their trash, they'd be like, "What gives?" That, that, that could be a thing that happens too. This like the first couple get... of times, they're like, "We don't stop." Hmm. Yeah. Somebody said, "I've heard of stupid." That's pretty Richard, you're flirting with top five. I, I don't yeah. think this is stupid. Yeah, it's, it's peculiar. Stupid's not. I don't think that's the. I said it's the it's most not peculiar thing about me. It's peculiar. Yeah. It's 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 it's, it's, it's we all have our quirks. Eccentric. Quirky. Yeah, that's a good word for this. That's a quiz. And you know, I, I feel like otherwise, I'm pretty normal. Like I don't do a lot of strange, odd, peculiar things. Just kind of like I, I go about my business. As you know, I have a few quirks. You do. Yeah. 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 yeah you do. So somebody says permission equals somebody questions. He says uh, questions him. He says I'm Richard Cross. Google me. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> now everybody in town's going to be doing that though. Hmm. Just dropping off their trash wherever. I'm Richard Cross. It's, it's fine. Somebody says just not permission to light one on fire. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm better somebody with all said sports. I'm no, with, of course. We've, we've changed course topics now. I'm better with off-site dumpsters than I am on-property dumpsters. <laughs> you have never lit somebody else's dumpster on fire. Darren and Jackson says, if I buy a new firearm, I don't throw the box away in my home trash. I take it to a dumpster. Um, Debbie and Ocean Springs remind us, reminds us you have to pay for trash pickup whether you use it or not. Says theirs is eleven fifty a month. Somebody says this is what makes this show interesting. So we said they're shockingly entertained by this. Well, hey. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We will be back with you right after this. Communication system is a go. go. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. Debbie corrected me. It's not that her trash pickup is eleven fifty a month. It's gone up to thirty one fifty a month. Up eleven dollars and fifty cents a month. She said, I was going to cancel the service, but it's not a la carte. You either have water, sewer, and trash, or you have none. Oh, not a whole lot of option there. 
not a not a lot of options. Everything getting more expensive. Dan in Hattiesburg, Trash Talk, Mississippi, brought to you by Richard Cross. <laughs> um, so let's talk baseball. Speaking of, sorry. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> hey, Dan, tell me about state's rotation this weekend. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't. Yeah, that's going to show up on a message board later. Oh, please don't, please don't. I'm not going to do it. I'm just saying that will show. But if it does, now then I will know your burner. I will know it. So you will never. Um, yeah. (laughs) Uh, State announcer rotation uh, this morning, um, and I was a little surprised by the Friday night guy. Nate Dom's going to get the start on Friday. I really thought he would be a bullpen piece. For Mississippi State, a guy maybe go long relief, maybe do some closing. But he'll get the Friday night start. Uh, apparently he spent his offseason trying to develop a couple more pitches. You know, he was really just fastball slider, and now he, he's going to have some more off-speed stuff, so it gives him a little bit more of versatility and the ability to start some games. Tell you what, if you can hit it, go you ahead. can name it. That's true. That's true. Uh, Kyle Steven will uh, pitch, or as I like to call him, uh, Mississippi State's version of Kenny Powers. Look at this guy. Look at the flow on his hair. Incredible. Incredible. Just straight out of 1986 per mullet. Uh, fantastic. The transfer from Purdue. He's got the Saturday start. And our guy, Gerangelo, on Sunday getting the start. Uh, I, I guess if I'm surprised, I thought Colby Holcomb might be in this rotation. I thought Carson yeah. Ligon might be in this in this rotation. Uh, but I guess this is what they're going to go with week one. Um, and we'll see where it takes us. I'm just really surprised that Dom's the Friday night guy. To start off, I, I, that that one, you know, not that I don't think he's a very talented pitcher. I just did not think he was going to be the Friday night guy. Is Gerangelo where you thought he would be? Yes, yes, thought he'd be on Sunday. He he seemed comfortable in that role last year, and and I know yeah. a lot of times you see this progression where like, okay, your Sunday guy turns into your Saturday Saturday guy and eventually pitches his way into the Friday night spot. And sometimes that makes sense, but sometimes you've got a guy that's like, you know what, we really like him in that anchor role, either pitching for a sweep, pitching for a series win, or pitching to salvage a game. All three of those outcomes are important. I know every game in and of itself is, but there's something about having that guy that you can count on on as your game three starter. There may be something to that. Maybe so. Is Maybe it, so. Is so, it Kyle or Call? K H A L. I think I think it's Kyle. Okay. I, I'm not, I'm not, this is one I'm not totally sure on yet. You ask me if he's a Game of Thrones fun. fan. Just go by Call. I like it. All right. I got it. I got the reference. Yeah. So Dom, if I see him out Steven, there eating a horse heart on the mound, I'll let you know. And Sanja, the opening weekend starters for Mississippi State Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Ole Miss with four games. On its opening weekend, they'll go with J.T. Quinn in Game One. He started 12 games last year, was three and four with a 6.83 ERA, struck out 63, walked 36. So not quite a two to one strikeout to walk ratio. Uh, game Two will be Gunnar Dennis, who is a newcomer on the roster. Game Three will be Grayson Sonye. Sonye last year made 12 starts. He was two and four with a 6.85 ERA. 52 strikeouts, 27 walks. And then the game three, uh, sorry, the game four starter will be Riley Maddox. And uh, Riley Maddox's numbers were inflated a year ago, but 
He was coming back from the uh, from the arm injury. He only had five appearances last season. So really interesting to get a look at him in a starter's role. Yeah. And obviously there was an expectation that Xavier Rivas would have been in the starting rotation. He started 14 games last year and was 5-5. Five and five. He had the most wins of anybody on the roster. You want to talk about pitching with Ole Miss, it's the, the area that they have to be the most improved. Without a doubt, in, in game one and game three, so the Friday-Sunday guys, I mean, they're you're, you're depending on them to take that step forward. Uh, listening to, to Mike Bianco's press conference, though, specifically talking about Dennis, said he just has performed the best leading up to the season, so he has earned the opportunity, all that stuff, but... They brought in a couple of transfers that are that are probably going to start games. There was a lot of, this is what it is for now, in Mike Bianco's tone sure. discussing rotation and lineup. There was a lot of, this is what it is today, that does not mean that these jobs are won, and it's set in stone and, and we're not changing. It, it felt more along the lines of, these guys are getting their opportunity, and then a couple more guys are going to get opportunities, and we're going to see what we got, of course, speaking from his perspective. Gunnar Dennis was at Meridian Community College for the last two years. First team all MACC, 70 innings with a 350 ERA over, um, uh, with 74 strikeouts last year as a, uh, as a sophomore. So, uh, we'll see if he's able to make that transition. He's originally from Pearl, Mississippi, so a Mississippi kid. Four o'clock hour coming up next. What we're going to do right here is go back. Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios. You can join the show on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. We go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Mark. Dukes joins us. He is the color analyst on the Ole Miss Sports Network for basketball alongside David Kellum, and he is in Lexington, Kentucky, where tonight Ole Miss and the Kentucky Wildcats meet. Uh, Mark, Rupp Arena has been a house of horrors for Ole Miss through the years. The last time the Rebels won there, Valentine's Day 1998, the current athletics director, Keith Carter, was on that team in 1998, but this year... Rupp has been a little bit of a house of horrors for the Kentucky Wildcats. They've lost three in a row at home. That has never happened in the history of the building. What are the chances that Ole Miss makes it four in a row? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, you know, I've been reading the newspapers here and some of the stuff I've read. There's not a, it's not a real happy election in KY right now. Uh, you know, I, I think I think there's a chance that uh, if the Rebels can come out and withstand that first five to eight minutes, that I would think these guys have got to come out with a little, from Kentucky, have got to come out with a little fire in them because of what they've read lately and probably what Coach Cal has told them. And, and if Ole Miss can survive that first eight, five to eight minutes, I think they're going to hang in there, you know, and have a chance at the end. 
You know, Coach, one of the things to me that, that stands out is this Kentucky team can really shoot it. I think they're the number one three-point shooting team in the entire country. You, you look, they got a bunch of guys that can knock down shots from the outside, and that's a little bit different this year from recent Kentucky teams because they haven't been great from behind the arc. They don't play a whole lot of defense, and in a lot of ways that makes them similar to this Ole Miss team. It, it feels like this could be a track meet tonight. Yeah, it, it, it could, and, but as a, I think – Personally, that if you're Ole Miss in this situation, you got to hope to keep them in a half court game and keep pressure on the guards uh, on the three point line because they're so athletic and they got so many guys that can get out in the open floor and score. And if you if you let them score off turnovers, bounce out long three point shots that you take that they get bounce out rebounds on. Um, those kind of situations, I think that's that's huge for Ole Miss tonight is to keep Kentucky running their half-court offense and, and obviously rebounding in that defense. You know, it's interesting you say that. I, I was thinking watching last week in their game against Vanderbilt, and I understand that Vanderbilt has had their struggles, but Kentucky it didn't look like had any pressure on them, and they were just kind of playing loose and easy, and it was like they looked so fast and so athletic. So kind of going back to where you started, weathering the storm early and not allowing Kentucky to play with like a, a ton of confidence and loose, does, it, does that make sense? Absolutely. I, I do, you know, Kentucky's the kind of team that can come out in the first five to eight minutes and make everything, you know, kind of like Auburn did against us in the second half recently. Um, they're that kind of team. They can shoot it that way well. Um, so, you know, hopefully – the Rebels can not let that happen early. And then, you know, you get them in a grind game, and a half-court grind game. Um, from that point, you know, if you've held off that far, you get them in a grind game, you're going to have a chance, I think, in the end. The schedule a little different this year. It's been a long time since there's been an open date in the middle of conference play, and that was largely because of the SEC Big 12 Challenge and when that was on the calendar what does that week off do for you in, in the middle of the year? You, you've been on coaching staffs. You've been around programs a, a long time. How important is that, and, and how big a deal is it that teams are getting that extra few days to rest and heal up and kind of regroup during the season? Personally, I think it's good. I think, you first of all, as you said, you get to rest for a day or two for your guys. You know, I, I uh would think probably they took off last Wednesday, and I would say they had a light practice Thursday, and then really came in and worked from then until well, yesterday. On the, and the other side of that is extra preparation time for the team you're playing, extra scouting time for your scouting reports, extra minutes to look at film, extra minutes to show your guys film. I, I think that's really important. So when you look at the offensive pieces for Ole Miss tonight, we know this Kentucky team can score, but this is an Ole Miss team that can score as well. Who are you looking at? Who needs to to really be on tonight? Or is it multiple guys that you think that you're kind of locking in on? I think we've got to have, you know, two starters have really big games. And then I think our post guys have got to contribute some points in, against the defense. Uh, they, were, they weren't good defensively in the post against Gonzaga. Now, Trey, Trey Mitchell's been out two games. I think he's their most physical post defender. He might be back. But I think the Rebels got to get some points from their post guys. 
two of the starters got to have a really big game. And I think somebody, like T.J. Caldwell did recently, somebody's got to come off the bench and score also for Ole Miss to have a chance to win this game. Caldwell had that big game against Mississippi State. Hasn't done a whole lot since. The last time we saw Ole Miss was last Tuesday night on the road against South Carolina. And they were down big even in the second half, down 17 in the second half. Nearly came all the way back. What was it that fueled the comeback in your mind and, and gave Ole Miss a chance in that game? I'll tell you what, what started the comeback, I think, for Ole Miss in that game was, was Sharp blocking two or three shots and kind of they had been taking it to the rim or scoring around the rim, and all of a sudden they were changing their shots, scoring there, giving the rep. In other words, Ole Miss could get defensive stops, yeah. got a little bit going offensively, and you know, had, had they made Ole Miss made some plays in the last two two and a half minutes, they had a really good chance to win that game on the road. And that's you know really all you can ask when you're playing a good team like South Carolina or like Kentucky. You know, you're you're hoping you just have a chance at the end to win the game. And, and the Rebels gave themselves that chance um, against South Carolina, and you hope that's what happens here tonight. Visiting with Mark Dukes, he is the color analyst on the Ole Miss Basketball Network from Learfield alongside David Kellum. Late night tonight in Lexington. It's a 9 Eastern start, so 8 o'clock Central time. They'll go on the air at 7.30 local time for the uh, for the broadcast tonight. Thinking back to that South Carolina game, we talked about this a good bit last Wednesday. The way coaches discipline players is different than it has ever been. You, you, players are, are treated differently than they have been at times in the past, but... There's one thing that hasn't changed. You know this as a coach. The biggest discipline tool you have at your disposal is the bench. And Chris Beard sat some guys that normally would be playing, especially in crunch time, for extended minutes in that second gap, that second half. Do you think he got the message through that he was trying to get through? You know, there's two ways to look at that. I, and he very well could have been looking at it from that standpoint. Or I want to get a message through to these guys that I'm sitting right now. Or it could have been the message that, look, these guys that I've got on the court right now, when they subbed in for you, they started this comeback, mm. and, and they're going to finish it. You know, So I, they kind of earned bring... that opportunity. Yes. And, and, and so you can look at that either way. Um, I, I know from last night's practice, watching last night's practice, that the starting five is going to be the same as it's been. I don't. None of those guys that were benched toward the end that were starters, they're they're starting again tonight. So personally, I think he was saying, "Look, guys, they got the, this run started. I'm going to let them see if they can finish it." Yeah, that's that's an interesting way to look at it. I actually had another coach in the SEC tell me that I asked about a player not playing a lot in the second half, and he said, "Look." He said, I don't do a whole lot of subbing, but when we do sub, guys that play well, they get to stay in the game. And sometimes that means somebody that you normally would lean on is going to stay on the bench. He said, it's not discipline. It's more a reward for doing well. That's an interesting way of looking at that. Yeah, I think that was exactly the case there. Okay. Um, you said practice last night. You watched a little bit. What What is Ole Miss kind of keying on in terms of what they want to do defensively to try and slow down this athletic team, kind of where we started this conversation? Well, getting out and really guarding on the three-point line, making sure that they don't get open looks from the three, hoping that we can guard in the post with one-on-one situations, 
and not have to help down. I know Coach Beard really has emphasized being physical in the post. So that's a big part of this game tonight. Can we defend in the post without having to double down and create a situation where we have to rotate and maybe get late to one of the shooters on rotation? And and I think that's a big key if we can defend one-on-one in the post. Coach, really appreciate your time this afternoon. Great as always catching up, and uh, we'll be watching and listening to you and David coming up tonight. Thank you for having me, Richard. That's Mark Dukes, color analyst on the Ole Miss Sports Network from Learfield. He and David Kellum have a 7.30 Central Time airtime for an 8 o'clock tip-off tonight. Ole Miss and Kentucky from Rupp Arena. Let's talk a little bit more about that matchup and the rest of what's happening in the SEC when we come back with you right here in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports in Mississippi. You'll hear about it here. Here. Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi. On Sports Talk Mississippi appear on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Mississippi Farm Bureau appreciate Mark Dukes joining us just a moment ago talking about the matchup between Kentucky and Ole Miss tonight. Antonio Reeves is the fourth leading scorer in the SEC at 19.6 points per game. He has scored in double figures in all but one Kentucky game this season. Matthew Morrell is the leading scorer for Ole Miss at 16.8 per game. Also got Alan Flanagan in the top ten in the SEC. He's ninth at 15.7. The guy that, I mean, look, this Kentucky team is really, really talented. There's no questioning that. But they've struggled. They have lost three of their last four games. They have lost three straight home games starting on January 31st, the overtime loss to Florida. They lost at home the following Saturday to Tennessee. And then they lost to Gonzaga this past Saturday. Now, they've scored 85 or more points in all three of those losses. 91 in the overtime loss to Florida, but they gave up 94. 92 in the loss to Tennessee, but they gave up 103 to the Vols. And then they scored 85 on Saturday against Gonzaga and had a second-half lead in that game but couldn't hang on. They gave up 89 and lost. Reed Shepard, by the way, if you watch Kentucky basketball, you have seen the shots of Jeff Shepard in the crowd. Jeff Shepard is Reed Shepard's father. You probably, if you were my age, hey dad's age, Remember Jeff Shepard playing? That was a bit of a reality check when I was like, oh, wait. Yeah, I, I watched him. He was good. I was I was sitting in the airport on Saturday night with Pat Bradley, both waiting on flights, uh, coming home from the South Carolina game, and he was like, 
yeah, I played against Jeff Shepard. I was like, mm, that's tough, isn't it? He's like, yeah, it really is. Reed Shepard had 21 in the second half of that game against Gonzaga. Those were all of his points in the game. So all 21 that he scored in the game came in the second half. And it's kind of new to the starting lineup. He's really, really good. Um, Antonio Reeves has been at it forever. Better, uh, better freshman this year, Shepard or Hubbard? Ooh, Hubbard may be a better scorer, but I think mm-hmm. Reed Shepard's game is more complete at this point. Although he has got a long way to go defensively, I feel like he gets yeah. lost on so the defensive Hubbard. end a lot. Yeah, and Hubbard does too. I don't feel like I've seen Hubbard getting lost as much as I've seen him getting beat. Kind of mm-hmm. off the dribble, and, and and that's about positioning and moving your feet and kind of being in the right place. I, I think Josh Hubbard, his athleticism is so good that I think his defense will get better. Mm-hmm. I mentioned sitting there watching that game with Pat, and I was, I was asking him, I was like, is he? Like, he's got more time at Kentucky, right? He's like, yeah, he probably comes back, but he's like, I don't know. He said, if I'm in the NBA, I'm ready for him to come out. There's so much to his game that I want him in my system as soon as I can get him in my system, which I thought was kind of an interesting take. 6'3", 187, so he's not big. I mean, he's tall for a guard, but not thick. But I remember thinking a couple of years ago that Tyler Hero would really benefit from another year or two in college. He went after one year, and it's going okay for him in the NBA. Yeah, he's doing all right. He's been, all right. been pretty good. Kind of thought the same thing about Grady Dick last year at uh, at Kansas. He was really, really good at Kansas last year as a true freshman. I thought, man, another year in college, this guy could be an absolute superstar. Instead, he's in Cleveland. Is that right? See with the Cavs. No, no, no. He's with Toronto. Yeah, he's with, he's with the Raptors. Yeah, and has had. I mean, his numbers don't blow you away, but it's been a good rookie year for him as well. Yeah, they played but, New Orleans the other day. You could tell he could play. Yeah, yeah, he's good. It's on a bad and, team though. And, and I don't know if that's. I don't know if Reed Shepard's a one and done guy. You know, and an NBA team drafts him on upside. Or if he sticks around and, and we get to watch him in blue and white, I say get to. Maybe I should say have to watch him in blue and white yeah. for another year or two uh, in the SEC. But he's super talented. So if they get it done tonight, how are they able uh, to do it? Um, They score in the post. I mean, if you watch the game against Gonzaga, Gonzaga had a lot of success with its big men inside. But that's kind of where Gonzaga has had its most success this year. They've been a good post-offensive team this year. And so, you know, against South Carolina, a lot, and and really if you want to go back a couple of games, a lot of the success that Ole Miss has had offensively in the post has been rolling guys to the rim, whether it's throwing lobs for CSA or Sharp to go up and get and dunk, or getting the ball to them on a roll down and, you know, having an easy look at the basket. I I just don't think – I don't think we've seen anything from Musa Cisse or Jamarian Sharp that says feed them the ball in a one-on-one in the post and let them go to work. No. 
That just hasn't been their game. No. So, like, Flanagan's going to have to be aggressive, controlled aggression, like he was in the second half against South Carolina. He, I mean, there's only one play that you can think of where it was. he looked like he was a little out of control. Otherwise, uh, he was able to, to bring them back in that game because he was aggressive and he attacked, but he was under control. And, and times earlier in the year, he has been aggressive and attacked out of control. And it led to turnovers or, or bad misses and, and things like that. But yeah, watching the pick and roll game against Auburn, I kept thinking, why don't they do that more? You got seven foot and seven foot five. I mean, I know they don't they don't exactly have the softest hands in the world. Uh, they, they often uh, aren't particularly but, but, good. But receivers. both of them have been better, especially yeah. up high. The, so, the catch up high and finish has been good. And when when Murray. If you're running that two game two man game with Murray, he's a really good passer out of that too, and, and he's a good finisher. Why don't you just do the two man game with Cisse and and let him set a pick for Murray and roll to the basket and throw one up to him? I mean, how many people can disrupt that? Not many because of their size. I'm just I'm surprised that we don't see more of that or haven't seen more of that because Auburn couldn't stop it there for a little while. Yeah, and you know the big guy for Kentucky Onion so has been. Okay, but he's not the thick big player either. I mean, you, you look at Jamarian Sharp at seven five, and you feel like he's one hundred and eighty pounds. Um, you know, Cisse's a little thicker, but Onyenso, even though he's a seven footer, he's he's under two fifty, so he's not the Tolu Smith body type that's just going to bang you and beat you down low. He's not even as physical as Janai Broom is at Auburn, and, and I don't think his post moves are as good. They have four points and five rebounds a game for their big man. I mean, that, that doesn't scare you. The thing that scares you with Kentucky is their guard. So I think you're hoping for a couple of things. One, you're hoping that it's not one of those nights that everything Kentucky throws up from the perimeter goes in. And two, I, I know Mark Dukes talked about weathering the storm early for Kentucky. I might actually turn it over. What if Ole Miss can, can come out hot? and build an eight-point lead in the first eight minutes. You know what there's a chance that could happen? That big old crowd at Rupp Arena could turn on Kentucky. They're looking for a reason to turn. They're going to come to that game angry, ready to ready to turn. And you know what, Hayden? I don't think it's the team so much that they're ready to turn on. I think it's Cal they, Perry. Yeah, I you're think, 100% right. I think they are cowled out at this point. Fifteen years, a long time. And that one national championship came in what, year three? Year three or year four? Mm-hmm. It's been over a decade. And I heard um, Matt Jones from Kentucky Sports Radio was doing an interview this morning that I heard. And he said in the last three years since COVID, Kentucky has had its worst NCAA tournament loss in the loss to St. Peter's. They have not, they, they've won one conference tournament game. And they have also had the three-game losing streak at home. So they've had their worst conference loss, their worst consecutive showings in the SEC tournament, and their worst home performance in school history in the last three years. And that is not sitting well with the people in the Bluegrass State. And the crazy thing is, I think they're right, this is the most talented team that John Calipari has had since... 2018, 2019, 
He's got more talent on this team right now than he's had in several years. So we uh, we shall see how it goes. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Mentioned David Kellum and Mark Dukes on the Ole Miss Radio Network. It's also on ESPN tonight. Carl Ravitch, Jay Billis, and Marty Smith. Take a time out. We're back with you right after this in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi. <laughs> On Super Talk Mississippi. Tonight in the SEC at 6 o'clock on ESPNU, Texas A&M is at Vanderbilt. The Aggies are, depending on where you look, a nine-and-a-half point favorite. Some places that one is at eight-and-a-half. Vandy one and nine in the SEC. Texas A&M playing good basketball as of late. They are now six and four in the SEC, 15 and eight overall, coming off the big home win against Tennessee. LSU is at Florida. That game is at 7 o'clock on the SEC Network. Florida is a 10.5-point favorite, and the total in that one is 162.5. I love the over in that game. That's two teams that score a lot, and kind of like the over in the Ole Miss-Kentucky game also. Same same number, 162.5. Kentucky, 8.5-point favorite. I mean, Kentucky has scored... What eighty? We talked about it a second ago. Eighty-five or more in three straight losses, and they don't play a lot of defense. I mean, it's almost got to make shots, but I think those are attainable numbers in both of those games with those teams. What were you hooing about? Just that eighty-five or more in three. I'm just thinking losses. about. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough in college basketball. You get eighty-five on the board. You think most nights you're going to go out there and get a win? Probably a relatively easy win. Yeah, and to have three straight losses doing that is is tough. Am I crazy for thinking? I feel like there's not a lot of middle ground in this Ole Miss Kentucky game tonight. I feel like it's either a blowout where Kentucky covers easily, or Ole Miss wins. Yeah, winner gets smoked. I I just don't see Kentucky with any confidence in a close game. Right now. Can Ole Miss win big? Can Ole Miss win in a blowout? Kentucky just I, scores too well. Yeah. I mean, so, then, so we got a two outcome game here. Ole Miss wins close or Kentucky wins big. Now Those that are we our, said our that, options. there's I mean, only two outcomes that are going to happen, and it's Kentucky wins close or Ole Miss wins in a blowout. Yeah. Well, if you say so. <laughs> Now that we've said that, we've spoke the opposite maybe, into yeah, maybe existence. So. Maybe maybe that's a possibility. I, I just, I mean, hey, Dad, you, you said can Ole Miss win in a blowout. For that to happen, 
Ole Miss has got to have like a twenty point halftime lead and Kentucky quit. Mm-hmm. Or or it's you know a tight game at the half and then Ole Miss in the first five or six minutes in the, of the second half comes out and hits like eight of their first ten shots and four or five of them are threes. And then it starts to spiral and they kind of lay down a little bit and the crowd turns on them. I, I just I don't really see that. And the fact that Ole Miss has won once in 26 years in Lexington makes it hard for me to predict a blowout for Ole Miss at Kentucky. I know no, history doesn't necessarily mean anything about this game, but history sometimes is an indicator of outcomes. So eh, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. Fascinating one, though. And, I, I mean, a win in Rupp is not going to make or break their, their NCAA tournament chances, but, man, if they could find a way to, to come up and – I, I meant a loss in Rupp is what I meant to say. A loss in Rupp is not going to make or break their make. NCAA yeah. chances. Yeah. But if they, if they would, find a way make. to come up and, and, and win this game, then the conversation shifts. Because right now they're, they're back on the bubble. They're on the right side of it, but they're on it. Uh, where, as this time last week, going into the Auburn game, they were – Inside of it, playing for seeding, how quickly things change. But, man, th- this game will do a lot for their metrics. They, that can almost eliminate that conversation, barring the outcome of the Missouri games. I mean, there's a lot to gain here. Not much to lose, but a whole lot to gain. Completely agree with you on that front. Completely agree with you. Um, they should play loose and comfortable. I mean, it's not one. Of it, that there should be no tightness whatsoever from those guys. I mean, uh, played a lot of basketball, not necessarily together, but they played a lot of ball. So, so Rupp shouldn't intimidate them. It shouldn't. Now, it's still difficult to play on the road, but it's not like you've got four eighteen-year-olds out there. Uh, they they should be loose and, and confident and had the weekend off and yeah. No reason for them not to be like that. No, I agree. I, I agree completely. Uh, you guys want an on this day in college basketball history? On this yes. day in college basketball history, let me take you back to post-game UMass and Temple. City kids out there pushing and shoving. The guys did a hell of a job. You had the best officiating you could ever get here. And for you to ride them, I want to be a part of that. I just got my ass blasted for giving them hell down in West Virginia. And here you get a hell of a job right here today. Good job. Three class guys. And you pick them out here and say, Whoa, whoa. That's right. That was John Cheney saying, I'm going to kill you. John Cheney walked into John Calipari's press conference. He did not like that John Calipari was complaining about the officiating in the game against Temple. Said that he had gotten blasted for complaining about the officials, but they had great officiating during this game, and he wasn't going to stand there and listen to John Calipari talking about it. Cal Perry told him to get out of his press conference, and Cheney said, I'm going to kill you, and ran at the podium. They had to be separated, held apart. 
30 years ago today. Aren't they good friends? Uh, didn't they end up becoming friends? They, yeah, they're friends. They have oh, well, the I think John Cheney's passed away. but Yes, they have, yeah. have since buried the hatchet. We, we, we need to get some more of that these days. You need some fire from coaches? Yeah. We need Lebby rolling up into Kiffin's press conference. Let's, let's have that. You know, I was reading something about that. And not, the NBA is not everybody's favorite cup of tea, of course, but part of it was a, a think piece about part of the problem because it's, it's waning in popularity, and there's a lot of factors. It's not just one. It's not what Clay Travis says. There's a lot of factors for why it's losing popularity. But college basketball games are doing almost as well as NBA games lately. So there's an interest in basketball, just not the league. Why? In part, this guy was arguing, they all like each other. They're friends. They go on vacations together. They're, they're buddies. They After games, they're hugging and talking. I mean, there's not the vitriol. Now, Draymond Green's a punk, but the guys like the league could stand to have a few more Draymonds. Guys that are going to make you mad. Guys that are going to get into it with other guys. Guys that aren't friends. And I thought that was really interesting because I, I watch a lot of NBA, and you know what? There's not a whole lot of that. There's really not a whole lot of talking like that. These no. guys are too friendly with each other. They're buddies. They, didn't, they need to not be buddies. They need to not respect each other. They need the Kobe Bryant mentality. If, if you're wearing a uniform that's not mine on the floor, I want to bury you. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you're from. That's what makes this show work. It's our <laughs> unyielding hatred for one another. Somebody said, I need some chairs thrown across the court. Yeah. Can you imagine the reaction if Mick Cronin at UCLA grabbed a chair and slung it across the court during a game? Unbelievable. I mean, we, we would have people like it, it would... looking for a prison sentence for him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm overreacting. Nope. There are people no, that I don't think you are either, but I think, I, it's funny to think about For disorderly conduct. Yeah. The NBA, at its most popular, had a team that was universally hated and really had more than one. I mean, the hatred that existed between the Lakers and the Celtics in the 80s, or really late 70s into the early 80s, mm -hmm. the hatred that everybody had for the Detroit Pistons, the bad boys, mm -hmm. I mean, that, that Detroit Pistons group of Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars and Dennis Rodman and hated him. Who else was on? Was Bill Lambert Lambeer, on the team? Yeah, Lambeer, James Edwards, Vinny Johnson. Yeah, all those guys. Everybody and then had. Then you had uh, Knicks Pacers. Was there was Nick, hatred there? I mean, Knicks Heat in the early nineties. Knicks Heat, Knicks Bulls, and you know Ewing and and I mean you had when you had Oakley and Anthony Mason and I mean, yeah. Yeah, you had real rivalries back in the day. Yeah. It was, now everybody wants to go play with each other. Yeah. They play on the same teams with each other. So. <laughs> Ceasefire text line says LeBron ruined the NBA. See, but, and he's yeah. hated not because of it's, it's off the floor stuff. He, he doesn't play like a but, villain. And the off right. floor stuff, he doesn't commit crimes. Yeah. T tell me, tell me the player in the NBA right now. That would best fit in the nineteen late eighties NBA. Patrick Beverly's my I have answer. To think about it. Pat Bev would be a, That's good, a good choice. Pat Bev's a good one. 
Maybe Draymond. I'm afraid Draymond might get body slammed by no. somebody back then. No. Three. Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. So Jeff hits us up on the ceasefire text line. You can too, 601-879-4395. He says, I listen to WFAN in New York a lot. And even they say, if you talk about the NBA, no one is going to listen to the radio. You have to talk about baseball or football. Which is an indictment because historically New York is a basketball town first. Yeah. I mean, look, for all that the Yankees have done through the years, for all that the Mets have done through the years, Giants, Jets, Rangers, Islanders, Nets haven't done a whole lot. New York City buzzes in a different way when the Knicks are good. But really the last time you had that kind of a buzz around the Knicks was when Jeremy Lin kind of burst onto the scene and they had the little short window of Lin sanity. Yeah. And even and then, they were fun, and it was on fire. But they didn't really win anything then. No. I mean, the Knicks have been irrelevant for basically my entire life that, that I can remember. They're good I don't this re- year. They are good this year. They do have a good team. Um, yeah. But but that's the thing, but, man. But, but they don't have anybody that's transcended on this year's team. I mean, Brunson's a really, really good player. He, he's he's in he that could, tier of stars that's that's – they're not a superstar. He's not a – but I didn't, the I didn't average fan couldn't good. pick him out Jaylen. of a – Jalen Brunson, I mean, the average really fan couldn't pick him out of a lineup. Yeah, he, he was great at Villanova. He's been really good in the NBA. He is nowhere close to transcendent. Mm-hmm. There's not much transcendent in the league. I mean, to, no. to those guys' point, it's it's still extremely popular in in local, like hyper local, like within the cities, like Milwaukee loves the Bucks, et cetera, et cetera. But the national audiences don't draw. They don't draw college basketball. There were two college basketball games, two college basketball games that either beat or tied the Knicks-Lakers game on network television recently. Mm-hmm. And and that has got to be a wake-up call to the league because remember, the NBA popularity was rivaling football there for a while. I mean, for, forget the Jordan days. More recently, the Shaq-Kobe days. Mm-hmm. It was still extremely popular, and people watched at a huge volume. But but people don't watch anymore, and it should be a wake-up call to the league, the way it's covered, the way it's promoted, and, and nobody seems to... Everybody just dismisses it. They just pass it off. Oh, well, the 18-year-olds love it. Well, 18-year-olds don't buy... Pro- that, that's not the demographic you want to win, necessarily. Maybe 20 years from now, but not right now. That the league is lacking in star power. You have it, it, it's lacking in star power for the average sports fan. They have a lot of. I mean, Luca's amazing. Giannis well, look, is amazing. Uh, I mean, the Joker is unbelievable. Like, sure, 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 sure. But but here's the, here's the best example though. I'm in Oxford. I am 74 miles from Memphis, give or take. The last time we talked about the Grizzlies was John Morant getting suspended for flashing a gun in a strip club or a nightclub or a bar or whatever it was. Yeah. And then on Instagram, because why The not? only time we talk about the Pelicans are when Borky brings them up because he's their favorite team and Jackson is two and a half hours. 
No, no, I'm not, but I'm not being flippant. I mean, I know they beat the Grizzlies last, or at least they were up big on the Grizzlies. They, they ended up winning, yeah. Oh, whatever. The only time we bring up the Pelicans is when Borky brings them up because it's his favorite team. We have talked more about the NBA today than we have in the last six months. Yeah. Maybe. We bring up the Lakers when y'all want to make fun of me. Yeah, but that's just a passing glance. It's not actually a discussion about the NBA. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're right. there, there's you're nothing right, yeah. to discuss. Yeah. It's it's unbelievable. So let's move on. And part of that is, a part of that is nobody from state or Ole Miss or USM has been drafted in so long either. I mean, Quindary, they had some second round picks, but none of them play. But but we can talk NFL playoff games absent the like I know Chris Jones and and Willie Gay played in the Super Bowl, but we talk NFL playoff games and people will be interested. But that would help us. I mean, you know, it would just help us if we had some local interest, which we don't. It's just yeah. the, the league needs to wake up, man. Uh, I mean, pe- people want to watch sports. They, they're watching college basketball. Caitlin Clark's last game drew almost 2 million people. The NBA on network TV doesn't do that right now. Yeah. We're talking women's college basketball. And every people just dismiss it. Oh, it's fine. No, it's totally fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Because Twitter says it's popular. they got to wake up. But you know what people do care about here? They care about college baseball. They care about college basketball when it matters. And they certainly care about college football. You certainly care about college football. So, for the college football fix to start things off in the 5 o'clock hour, we will look at online sportsbook win totals released for the SEC for the 2024 season. We will look at a projected lineup for Ole Miss on the opening weekend, as given to us by Mike Bianco. And we will talk about maybe the most ridiculously athletic kicker slash track and field star that you will find anywhere who is from right here in the state of Mississippi. Tell them about it, Borky. Tell them about it. Cruz O'Goos. Will join us next. Cruz Goose to lead things off in the 5 o'clock hour on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We're back with you right after this. Can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. Triple Eight Eight Zero Eight Eight Six Three Seven on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome to the five o'clock hour of Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studio. You can join the show on the C Spire text line. You know the number six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five C Spire. Customer inspired. We'll push the college football fix back just a bit because we've got a guest to visit with on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. If you were with us this past summer, you may remember a conversation that we had that was centered around a story that was on Outkick. Uh, it was a conversation about Cruz Ogoos, who was at the time committed to Mississippi State as a track athlete, despite the fact that he was a highly, highly rated kicker coming out of high school. And uh, he does flips, lots and lots and lots of flips. Cruz, thanks for joining us this afternoon. 
It's great to uh, great to catch up with you, man. Oh, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm I'm pumped. All right, so I, let's just start with how did you become? If people have found you on social media on Twitter, it's Cruz underscore underscore Oguz O G U Z, or Cruz dot Oguz on Instagram. If people have found you on social media, they have seen you doing these series of flips, um, over the top handsprings, cartwheels, sideways twisting flips, all kinds of stuff. Flipping into a shot with a basketball, flipping into a football kick. How did that all start? Oh, it starts back in COVID. I remember when COVID happened, I had quit swim. See, my dad, he was a, he was an Olympic swimmer, a semi Olympic swimmer. And he said I could finally quit swim when I was around 14, 15. So when COVID hit, I didn't have much to do except go outside and, and learn these flips. You see, I wouldn't, I never took gymnastics class. I, I had to learn them all by myself and slowly and steadily I got better at them, I guess. I guess people think they're pretty interesting, don't they? Yeah, they uh, they are pretty interesting, especially when you combine them with uh, with kicking a football <laughs> or or you know throwing a basketball at a, a rim. So yeah, that's a fun wrinkle. What what about the football piece? Uh, you were a star in high school as a kicker, and yet track or track and field is what you've gone to college for. Absolutely. So obviously, I'm coming to Mississippi State on a track scholarship. And uh, me being on campus in August uh, and fall of 2023, um, I never actually was on the football team. Um, obviously, you know, Mississippi State, they had their fair share of issues with their special teams. And I, I, I grew up kicking from my high school and whatnot, and I do practice kicking many times a week. So if I do show up to walk on tryouts, and I, I do hope that I can put on a good show for the coaches, I'm confident I could perform at that kind of level with that kind of pressure if I were to get the starting job. All right, so have you talked to this staff? Are you going to, to go to walk-on tryouts and see how it goes? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, Mike Wright, he's the backup quarterback. He's on the track team. So we were catching up in the little recovery sauna. And I said, hey, man, we're in the walk-on tryouts. He said, oh, man, late late February, early March, you should show up. So I said, all right, that's exactly what I'll do. Hopefully I can put on the show then. All right, so that's really soon. That's in the in the next two or three weeks, right? Yes, sir. Uh, have you have you talked to any of the the coaching staff uh, about that or or what it's going to look like? Oh, I've had I've, I've talked to a few recruiters, um, you know, Leroy and whatnot, and they say the only thing they say is like you know put on a show. I, I walk on trials. It's all I can really do. I can really just trust in my abilities to take me to the place I want to go. All right. So what about the track and field piece of this? You said on a track scholarship at Mississippi State, you were an elite runner at the high school level, but you were also involved in other events, right? Yes, sir. All right. So, so what are all of those and, and what are you, what are you running at state? So what I do is I do the multi events. I do the decathlon during spring and during the winter for the start of track season, indoor season. I do the heptathlon and it's a mixture of throws. It's a mixture of sprints, long distance and jumps like pole vault and high jump and all that type of stuff. But it's funny because I never actually did that in Mississippi. In fact, I don't think Mississippi has the decathlon or the heptathlon. So what they did is they gave me a call. They said, hey, Cruz, uh, we're going we're gonna to recruit you as a decathlon. I said, okay. So I show up after a high school game where we lost badly. So I woke up in the morning really early, really <laughs> tired, and I said, look, man, we're going to recruit you. I say, well, coach, I have to be honest. Like, why are y'all recruiting me? Because I never did the decathlon in high school. We said, well, we've seen all your crazy flips on social media, so we think because you're, you did sprints in high school and you, and you threw shot put because you have the air awareness and, uh, I guess, you know where you are in the air. We think we trust you to be good at the jumps and hurdles and all that stuff. I said, okay, well, 
let's ride, baby. I mean, I'm here. Let's get it going. All right, so what have you had to learn uh, that, that is new in terms of the decathlon? Honestly, the majority of stuff. I'd say pole vault was the, one of the biggest things and hurdles. Hurdles actually came sort of naturally, uh, and so did the high jump and long jump and whatnot. In fact, we just had a meet where I did a lot of those. But pole vault is definitely the one I struggled with the most because, um, you know, I'm, I'm built fairly weird for someone who has to be able to bend the pole and uh, usually you see in the Olympics, you see they're really small guys and they're really light. I'm, you know, I'm six foot, 215 pounds, so I can sort of see where I would kind of struggle with that, but uh, I may do. Yeah, I would, uh, I, I would say so. So I was going to ask you about your frame. I mean, generally speaking, even with sprinters, you, you think of a more lean body type, and you're a little more bulked up, especially up top. And I'm not diminishing yeah. the lower body workout piece of it. Does that have an effect, uh, a negative effect on on your sprinting, or have you just learned how to how to deal with that? I do believe it does. Um, I was always like a bigger guy. My dad was a bigger guy. Uh, I won't say my mom was bigger. She'll get real mad. But uh, <laughs> anyway, good idea. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But um, I guess I could sort of compare myself with DK Metcalf. Obviously, there was a video of uh, DK Metcalf trying out for the Olympic trials and uh, for Tokyo, and he was a you know he's a larger guy, but he still. He, he kept up with them. I believe he ran a 10-3. But the coaches, what they want me to do here is they say they want me to lose about, lose about 15 pounds. So that uh, that's honestly about the weight as all these other guys that are competing at in the SEC. So if I can lose like 10, 15 pounds, it, it would take away from potentially doing a different position than kicker in football, but it would help with the sprints for sure. All right, so there the... – I mean, I'm not trying to make this about Ole Miss and Mississippi State, but he's professional now. I'm sure you know the name Sam Kendricks, who is a world record pole vaulter um, that mm-hmm. went to Ole Miss and is from Mississippi. Have you reached out to, to Sam uh, and say, hey, you got any tips? I'm trying to learn something new on the fly at the collegiate level, which is a really hard place to do it. Oh, I actually haven't. But, um, Sam, if you're listening to this, man, I mean, hit me <laughs> up. You need to help me out. Give me some tips. He's a uh, he's a great guy. I would think that uh, he certainly would uh, would be willing to help you with that. So you're you are not old enough to remember this. You were born in 1992. So the 1992 Summer Olympics, which were in Barcelona, there was right. this massive ad campaign. Reebok was still um, a big deal at the time, and it was with two American decathletes. It was Dan and Dave, and there was a whole series of commercials that that went along with that. But the whole idea was it was that the Catholics are maybe the most well-rounded athletes in the world. Yeah. Have you found that to be the case, like like a true test of athleticism in oh, dealing with yeah. the decathlon? Absolutely. I mean, coming into Mississippi State, I thought I was just like the biggest and baddest dude ever. I could just do uh, anything you can do but better. But I definitely have been humbled with all the events that I had to learn and just – Seeing so many guys be able to perform at such levels that it's almost like I couldn't even fathom at the time is definitely something that, um, I don't know, it, it made me food, – it's food for thought. It definitely made me think and discover some things about myself. But I guess it's it's all character development at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah, it, it certainly is. And, you know, I mean, you, you've mentioned the Olympics a couple of times, and when you go to an SEC track and field meet, you're looking at future Olympians all around you. Yes, you are. I mean, Everywhere does, you go. does it feel like you're testing yourself at the level 
that you need to be testing yourself, and, and how much can you grow in this over the next couple of years? I mean, it's absolutely a massive step from uh, high school. Obviously, I went to Bio Academy in the NIS, so uh, the competitive level, it's just obviously it's not as, as big as it is in the SEC. And just, I'm, honestly, I'm a firm believer in whoever you surround yourself with. That's exactly who you could be have the potential in order to become at Mississippi State. Uh, and go into these SEC meets, you see all these, like, Olympians, and you get to talk to them and hang out with them as if, like, they're your buddies. So um, having those people around you is, is definitely something that's going to help me strive in order to reach a higher echelon of, of success with my athletic abilities. Visiting with Cruz Ogoos just for another minute. Uh, he is a uh, an athlete at Mississippi State, a track athlete currently. That's what he's on scholarship for, but says he's going to try out for the football team with walk-on tryouts as well. So what's your training like? You're, you're trying to learn the decathlon, but also yes. train as a kicker to potentially walk on to the football team. How do you balance that? Do you ever sleep? Oh, I mean, five hours, five hours a night. It's not a lot, but I'll tell you what. I mean, i got to wake up. Uh, I do. I go to class, and then after class, I get out around 12. I'll get my little kicking session in. I'm, I'll try my best to get a kicking session in, and then come to practice. I'll eat lunch, and then come to practice at 2 o'clock, and that usually lasts from 2 to 3, and then, excuse me, 2 to 3.30, and then 3.30, I have a lift, and then after I lift, if I feel like I didn't really have enough time to get a solid kicking session in, I'll, I'll go do some more stuff. And honestly, wow. if I didn't, the, the primary focus on the lifting at track is Olympic lifts and being explosive, but I also uh, like to be a bigger, a bit of a bigger guy, a bit of a bulkier um, bodybuilder almost type of guy. So I do go to the Sanderson here and get some lifts in too so I can make myself look good in my uniform. <laughs> well, I don't think you've got anything to worry about there. Cruz, thanks so much for your time. It's great catching up. We're going to continue to follow you. Uh, your story is a fascinating one, and we appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on, y'all. Yeah, uh, thanks for joining us. Cruz Ogoos joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. We're back with you right after this. Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team with live reports from games and practices, plus exclusive interviews. Weekday afternoons starting at 3 on supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. I don't know that I came into today expecting to reference Dan and Dave from 1992. How old were you, Borky? Depends on the month. Summer of 92. So, three to four months. Okay. You were born in 1992. Yes, sir. Okay. So. Shut up. Do you have any idea what we're talking about here? Not a clue. All right, so leading up to the 1992 Barcelona uh, Barcelona Summer Olympics, Reebok launched a massive ad campaign where they took rival decathletes who were both expected to medal in Barcelona in the decathlon. And there was a series of commercials, and the whole theme was Dan or Dave. Like, who you got? And one of the commercials was like, you know, random people they were at, like man on the street type, type seven, Dan or Dave. It was Dan, Dave, 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 Dan. And then there was like Dan's ex-girlfriend. Who you got? She goes, definitely Dave. And it's all going well. There's this huge buildup and Reebok's trying to regain market share that they've lost to Nike and Nike's starting to just like skyrocket to the moon and the whole thing. And they get to the Olympic trials 
and things went south when Dan failed to qualify for the Olympic team. Oh, no. He Like, he did not make the pole vault. He couldn't get over the pole in the pole vault, and therefore Reebok modified the television spots that and, and therefore had, in the Olympics, Dan cheering Dave on in the Olympics the rest of the way. It was, it was rough. I, mean, something. I don't. I don't think. I don't know if Richard is making clear how big this ad campaign was. I mean, it it was literally like what you would expect Nike to do for like Air Jordan or Tiger Woods. It was every sporting event you saw three or four commercials. They spent. I mean, in today's money, it would be billions. I'm sure it was tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions, at that time. Yeah, and it would have right. See, I don't think advertising is different now than it was then. And I'm not trying to date ourselves, but I mean, there are three or four iconic sports commercials from the early 90s. You had the Michael Jordan Gatorade commercial with the Sometimes I Dream song. Yeah. You had the McDonald's horse commercial with Michael Jordan and Larry Bird in it. You had the Dan and Dave series from Reebok. I feel like there's another big one, hey, Dad, that I'm not thinking of from kind of that era. Google says Dan and Dave was a $30 million campaign. In today's dollars, that is 60, almost $66 million. Yeah, hey, Dad, not all commercials like cost as much as a Super Bowl commercial. I guess, man. I feel, like they, I feel like it was every time I was on watching a sports show, they were on. You were? So, I mean, they, they, you, they I, were. What about, what about uh, did you, I don't know, if, I, I, if you said this, I, I didn't hear you say that. Dan Marino and Isotoners? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I mean, it was, it was every everywhere. Take care of the hands, take care of you. Yeah. Um, And part of that was because of his cold weather struggles in football, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, he made a, he made a little joke out of it, yeah. And yeah. then you also had the... Um, the, well, this tells you how big a deal Jordan was at the time. All the Nike commercials with Jordan and Mars in them. The, the yeah. best on earth. Did you mention Bo Mars. Jackson? No. I mean, that was a Nike campaign, but it wasn't as prominent as those others. Oh, Bo knows. Oh, oh, the, the Bo knows, Bo Diddley commercials were great. Yeah, yeah. Bo, you don't know Diddley? Yeah. My favorite one is Wayne Gretzky skating up and going, no. <laughs> I don't love that part. Yeah, so uh, if if you've never heard of that, if you were Borky's age or younger, um, you've got maybe a little bit of a advertising history lesson from the early 90s. Then if you want to go back to the 80s, somebody pointed out the Mean Joe Green Coke commercial, yeah. which is one of the greatest commercials of all time. It really is. Um, the... Some of the Tiger Woods commercials for Nike were great also, where he was bouncing the golf ball on his wedge and he hits yeah. it. Um, but the Hello World Tiger Woods ad campaign was, and it was kind of organic, because in his introductory press conference after he turned pro, he goes, I guess, Hello World. And then Nike immediately turned it into a Tiger Woods Hello World ad campaign. That, and then uh, when he would hit the... Um the Stingers is what they would call them. The the one where he's knocking out all the windows in that building. I remember that one. And then the other one where they were trying to get him to hit one to where it buzzed right past a camera. They said aim for the camera, but they didn't expect him to hit it. 
yeah. and he hit the camera lens. Uh, yeah, and it shattered it. Turned that into a commercial. Tiger was, I mean, he was just so different, especially considering the sport. Yeah. Yeah, Mike we mentioned the I want to be like a commercial also. Mike and Oxford says Charles Barkley and Old Spice. I thought it was right guard. Anything less would be uncivilized. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Right idea, Barkley and you had, uh, yeah, yeah, Brian Bosworth was on those and Hulk Hogan were, were on those. Yeah. That's good stuff. Good stuff on the Ceasefire text yeah. line, 601-879-4395. If you are in the market for a new or used vehicle, Velk Ford and Oxford Toyota have got you covered in a big way. Great inventory on the lot right now, both new and used vehicles. If you're looking for a Ford F-150, actually, I was taking the trash a couple of nights ago, and after I did, I decided to swing through the lot at Belk Ford. I was just curious what they had. Great selection, a bunch of different trim levels. Whether you're looking for an XLT or a Lariat or the STX model, they've got all of those, and they've got the best financing rates that are available. A couple of Expeditions on the lot. Got a couple of Ford Broncos on the lot as well. So a lot for you to choose from. Great used vehicle selection. And then right up the hill, um, more Toyota Tundras that I have seen. They've been so hard to get for the last couple of years. But Oxford Toyota's got a handful of Tundras on the lot right now. They've got out oh, really, really good-looking forerunners. Going to take Michael ba- uh, Borky back to his college days and his high school days when he was driving his forerunner. Yeah. He saw these. He would be uh, he would be lusting after them to have a new forerunner. They are absolutely gorgeous, and they're available to you at Oxford Toyota. You can find them at BelkFord.net, OxfordToyota.com, or better yet, stop by and see them in person. Talk to them about what you're looking for, even if you're just kind of window shopping right now. You can go ahead and set your eyes on something and plan for it down the line. Or if you're ready to pull the trigger, they'll help you get the best financing rates available and take care of you after the sale as well. Tell them you heard about them on Sports Talk Mississippi, Belk Ford, Oxford Toyota, Highway 6 West in Oxford. Mike Bianco, uh, I guess it was last week where he kind of laid Friday. this out at his press conference. Um, kind of the expected opening day lineup, and this is not new. He does this every year, but there are some uh, there are some new names. You, you may need a um, a media guide or a game program for the first few games of the year. Um, anticipated opening day, opening weekend starting lineup. And this is not a batting order necessarily. Campbell Smithwick, the freshman from Oxford at catcher. I listened to had, all of the coaches' press conferences because, you know, I have to. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard Mike Bieko speak more positively about a player than he did Smithwick. Like, it was jarring. I was like, is that Mike Bianco? Oh, okay. I, I have to admit that I know Campbell. I don't know him super well, but I know him. And he's been around my kids a little bit as well, and he is one of the nicest 18-year-old boys, young men that I have ever been around. Comes from a great family, and he is a great baseball player as well. But you think about the the kind of the lineage of catchers at Ole Miss, for Mike Bianco to start an opening day, uh, a catcher on opening day, and speak glowingly about him, I, I think that says something. He had a great fall. He's been dealing with a stress reaction in his toe um, and was supposed to have one more MRI, but the expectation is that he is healed and is going to be able to play. They were not going to risk it on opening weekend if he was not completely healed because they didn't want to aggravate it and have this turn into a month-long deal for the season 
they would have sat him this weekend. But the expectation is Smithwick will play Andrew Fisher, the transfer from Duke at third base, Luke Hill, the Arizona State transfer at shortstop. By the way, you had a couple of teammates that when the Willie Bloomquist quote from Arizona State, when he left late in the transfer process, that rubbed a couple of his teammates wrong at Ole Miss. Um, Mike Bianco said he didn't really know what the quote was about, but it was unfortunate. I think that was the head coach taking the high road, most likely. Um, but there's some teammates that blasted Arizona State's coach, Willie Bloomquist, and just really kind of went to bat for Luke Hill. Um, Reagan Burford has been in the program for a while, expected to start at second base, at least for the first game. Jackson Ross, the FAU transfer who kind of plays both corner infield spots, expected to be the first baseman. John Kramer, who's been on the team in left field. Ethan Groff uh, in center field. And the Mercer transfer, Trayson Hughes, expected to start in right field. Some other guys that are going to be in the mix, Judd Udermark, who played some a year ago and had the injury at the end of the season sliding into home plate. Yeah, they uh, apparently love him, if, if you believe Mike Bianco. If, if you look at him from a frame standpoint, there's reason to believe that. First base, DH, uh, Ethan Leger obviously going to play a lot, some other guys as well. So that's what you can kind of expect to see on opening weekend. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi right here on supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Like, hey, Dad. Might be Borky. my favorite commercial of all time. Borky, drop an invoice and send that to Nike. I think we just gave him a little advertising there. <laughs> That'll be good. That's money they owe us. Yeah. Actually, oh, no, 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 Mr. Hey, Dad. You're wrong. Wrong company. That was not a Nike commercial. That's Gatorade. You're that right. Send it to Gatorade. My bad. Either way, they've got it. Just send it on. Yeah. All right, we pushed it back just a little bit, but uh, we can do it nonetheless. It is time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com to find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. Online Sportsbook released over-under win total for all 16 teams in the SEC coming up in 2024. The two teams with the highest projected win total for the year, the Georgia Bulldogs and the Texas Longhorns, both at 10.5. 10.5 for Georgia, 10.5 for Texas. Thoughts? I would bet the over on both of them. 
Ooh. I would go over on Georgia. I would go You're saying Georgia wins at Texas? I do. Okay. So they're 12-0. I would take the – well, but, I mean, maybe there's a slip-up somewhere for Georgia. But I think 11-1 or 12-0. I just think expecting Texas in its very first year in the Southeastern Conference – to go through this season with no losses or just one loss. I think that's asking a lot. They may do it. That's a really talented Texas team. And I don't think Texas is going to be intimidated. But the grind of the SEC is different than the grind of the Big 12. It just is. Absolutely. And that, I was and for ask that if, reason, I would go under the 10.5 with Texas. Texas is really talented. Sark's a really good coach. They went to Alabama and beat Nick Saban last year. So I, yes. I get that they're going That's to be quite thinking. good. But you think they're prepared for that. Because, uh, like I say all the time, Mississippi State, this is not a shot. It's, it's the truth. Not a good football team last year. Not, not a good football <laughs> team last okay. year. Okay. Okay, Borky. Homer. But... That Mississippi State defense, by the end of the year, was all, was quite good, by the way. But good. NFL guys all over the field on that defense. An All-American middle linebacker. The bad teams in the Big 12 don't have the talent that Mississippi State had on their defense last year. That's the, yeah. that's the difference. And I don't know if Texas is going to be ready for that. Yes, they're ready for the high-level game, but are they ready for the, the bad teams on your schedule, Sands Vanderbilt, still have NFL dudes all over the field? They, Unlike they, they do go to Nashville, too. They they do. There will be 99% burnt orange wearers in that stadium that day. But I do I do I would laugh really hard if Texas went eight and four and Oklahoma went six and six in year one. I mean, it would just be the funniest thing ever. I don't Told see you. How Texas does that with this schedule. They open I don't Colorado either. State. No. They do have to go to Michigan in week two. It's gonna be a different yeah. Michigan team. UTSA and ULM. They open SEC play with Mississippi State at home on the 28th of September. They get a week off before Red River. That's a coin flip game regardless of how good either team is. And the next week they get Georgia. So they go Oklahoma-Georgia in consecutive weeks. Um, Then their schedule turns toward the positive. At Vanderbilt, Florida, at Arkansas, Kentucky, at Texas A&M. That will be the first violent environment in College Station, maybe ever. Yeah. Aggies will be out for blood in that one. They will. There will be no, hey, good to see you, glad you're here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right, your next group of teams, you've got four of them whose win total is 9.5. Ole Miss, 9.5. Alabama, Nine and a half. Missouri, nine and a half. LSU, nine and a half. What if I said to you, Ole Miss over, Alabama under, Missouri over, LSU under? Don't hate it. Would you think I was crazy? Could happen. It could happen. My first thought when I saw Ole Misses, by the way, was they better go over. And not that, like, if they don't, Kiffin's getting fired or anything, but no. anything short of of hitting that over would be a disappointment Look, because the, a 9-3 and three team's not, not making the not, playoff. If they, if they made the playoff at 9-3, and three, they're fine. Yeah. 
That, I, that's I not disappointment. Anything short of making the 12 team playoff is a disappointment. If you get in at nine and three, okay. Ten and yeah, two. A nine and three playoff. A nine and three playoff is better than a ten and two no playoff. And ten and two, you're, pro- you're you should be in. You should be in. But you never know. Could it have a really up year around some teams? Got a couple teams come out of nowhere and have a what, big year, year, and all of a sudden you're ten and two. Yeah, you're ten and two, and you're like, ah, they're like the thirteenth team. You know, in this could ske- happen. The schedule is really favorable when you think about it. Now you got to go to Baton Rouge, and, and that stinks out loud. You got. But you look at the other road games at South Carolina, at Arkansas, at Florida, and they get a bye week before Florida. Usually the swamp is miserable. But what's Florida going to be by November? Usually Fayetteville for Ole Miss is miserable. What is Arkansas going to be at any point this season, let alone after what should be a few losses ahead of them? I mean, Ole Miss got a nice break in their schedule with where they have to go. Two of their three most difficult games are at home. And again, Florida's usually tough on the road. Probably not this year. Arkansas, probably not this year. Their non-conference Power 5 game is Wake Forest. So if if you're looking for a favorable schedule, it, there, there's maybe one in the SEC that's more favorable for their team than this one is for Ole Miss. Who's that, Texas? Texas uh, got a break. A&M's is also, although they do have to play Notre Dame, but A&M's is is also favorable. Missouri's is really favorable. Yeah. Uh, Up next, teams at eight and five, or eight point, sorry, eight and a half. That's what I was trying to say. Teams at eight and a half wins for the over-under. Texas A&M and Tennessee. Texas A&M and Tennessee. I would take over on Tennessee and under on Texas A&M. I say this without having really looked at the schedules, but that just my my gut thought is I think Tennessee will probably go nine and three. It's not it's not Texas eight and a half and four. No, no, they've got NC State in week two. Does Tennessee in Charlotte too? Not even at home. Yeah. That one could be interesting. Second, well, third start with the young quarterback. Uh, nobody at seven and a half wins. You have three teams at six and a half. New SEC member Oklahoma, Kentucky, and Auburn all at six and a half for their win total. I think Oklahoma's going to be better than that. Okay, I don't. I mean, better than that uh, seven and five team, by the way. I, mean, I think six and six, seven and five is is where they are. So I mean, yeah, you can go either way. South Carolina five and a half, Florida five and a half, Arkansas five and a half, Mississippi State's number is four and a half. We should talk about this. Yeah, I mean, I just I I think they'd be over. And that's just my first thought. Is that I think they have four. I mean, the the, way, the game at Arizona State is, is it's no it's not a gimme. But I think they can win that game, so they can win their four non conference, and then they get Texas A and M, Arkansas, and Florida at home. None of those three teams are unbeatable, especially Arkansas. I really think they can beat Arkansas. You know, to me, State's path to bowl eligibility is four zero in the non conference, and then. Of those three games, can you get two? Can you beat Florida and Arkansas? Two teams that, quite frankly, last year weren't any good. They, Mississippi State wasn't any good, but neither were those two teams. They did beat Arkansas last year on the road. 
So that's that's the path to bowl eligibility. I would take the over on state as it stands right now. And that's not a homer pick. That's I don't think so. What, that's what you think. Yeah. Hmm. I think that Arizona State game's tricky. Although Mississippi State has done pretty darn well in non-conference games, especially early in the season. Hmm. They've been on a run of winning those games. The Toledo game could be tricky. I mean, you should beat a team from the MAC. period. Toledo's mm-hmm. pretty good under Jason Candle this year. Th- this year I would have worried about that game. Yeah. We'll wrap it up coming up with you when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi and the Pearl River Resort Studio are back right after this. Talk Mississippi. What is going on here? Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. It's about time. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Spare text line. Last four messages I see. Buy a Ford. It'll take your trash out. Smash that under. I have no idea which team they're talking about. If you can't beat Toledo and Arizona State, honeymoon will be very, very short for JL. I mean, you are suddenly Vanderbilt. And Auburn is going over. They're getting eight. Mark it down. If I'm wrong, no one will remember. So mark it down, son. <laughs> not with Peyton Thorne at quarterback. They're not... Um, Smash that under came in at 540, so he's probably talking about Georgia or Texas. Yeah. Okay. I like the Alabama under, too. But there's nothing that can happen this year short of controversy that should end the quote-unquote honeymoon for Jeff Levy. The, the, The situation that he took over with the volume of outgoing players is... Should not lead anybody to have high level expectations for year one. I mean, the, the defense, again, by the end of last year, Mississippi State defensively was pretty good, and they're all gone. Hyperbole. They lost a ton, a ton, a ton of quality players, and via transfer portal, haven't replaced them well. If you believe 24 7, and a lot of people don't like recruiting rankings, Mississippi State has the, the number 13 portal class in the SEC. Adjust that for average rating per player. It's dead last. There's a massive hill to climb personnel-wise on that roster. And so if they don't go 7-5 and five in year one, Lebby's not a bum. This is a multi-year yeah, roster yeah, turnover yeah, yeah. build towards competitiveness in the SEC. It's proof of concept in year one. That's all the expectation should be. Does it look right? All right, so we're going through win totals. Four and a half for Mississippi State. Hey, Dad, I was going, I just, I went through the schedule and I started at the end and worked back. And this is just like quick reaction win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. And I count six games that I think are a loss on state schedule Ole Miss in Oxford, Missouri. In Starkville, Tennessee and Knoxville, A and M in Starkville, Georgia and Athens, Texas and Austin. 
That's six. You can agree or disagree. That, that just when I quickly looked at it, that was my thought. Which means okay. Mississippi State has got to win two out of three against Arkansas, Florida, and Arizona State to hit the over. And that's assuming wins against Eastern Kentucky, Toledo, and UMass. Right. And that's possible. Hmm. But it going the other way, I think, is on the table also. It just I, I think State's gonna score. I don't know if they're gonna score in year one the way they will in year three in the Jeff Levy offense as they continue to kind of grow at the quarterback spot and some of these young talented receivers that they brought in get a little bit older and a little bit more experienced. I mean it would stand to reason that year two, year three would be better than year one offensively with a new system and new head coach, first year head coach, all those things. To me, the biggest question, though, is on the defensive side of the ball. Because yeah. Mississippi State has always figured it out defensively. Like, one way or another, like, even you look at me like, it's not a very good defensive team, and then you're like, eh, it's really not that bad of a defensive team. Yeah. And then there also have been the, that's a great defensive team. We've had a lot of those through the years. I think this is a head coach that's got a different philosophy than traditionally what Mississippi State head coaches have had through the years. So, going to score, probably going to have to win some shootouts. Will they be able to score enough in those games? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what Arizona State's going to look like offensively in week two. I don't know how Toledo's going to handle a road crowd in the SEC. I don't know if Arkansas is going to redo what they did in Fayetteville last year against Mississippi State because that set football back a bit in terms of offensive production. Back in my day, we played defense. That was great. So, um, Interesting. I mean, it's it's really a fascinating year. Because the opportunities will be there. And, and I like Blake Shapin a lot more than some people do. I, I think that, that we'll look back and think, oh, that was a really good pickup that flew under the radar because people were talking about Cam Ward. Maybe so. Maybe so. It's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be a fun year. So many questions. And we did that again a year. Uh, did that a year ago also. We said, well, we got so many questions going into the season. I think we do again this season. Uh, we'll dive deeper into this tomorrow. Pretty decent list of NFL Combine invites from the state of Mississippi. From Mississippi State to Lou Griffin, Buki Watson, Jaden Crumedy, DeCamerian Richardson, kind of from Mississippi State. Uh, and then from Ole Miss. <laughs> and didn't even chuckle on that. Uh, Cedric Johnson, Dejan Anthony, and DeAndre Prince. So, guys getting that opportunity. You want that invite so that you can perform in front of everybody. Obviously not not the only opportunity. you got Pro Days coming up as well. All right, we will uh, we will recap hoops tomorrow, Ole Miss and Kentucky, 8 o'clock tonight on ESPN. Uh, broadcast on the Ole Miss Radio Network starts at 7.30 on a bunch of these stations. And uh, we'll get into a whole lot more with you. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday. Don't forget, Valentine's Day is tomorrow. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Good night. Oh, it's incredible! 
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.